You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah youths. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we got the Pac 12 tournament and wrapping up the running youths basketball season. And a little spring football just kicked off. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, you nation. And we got Scott. Hey! <laughs> Scott's so well, odd. I don't know why we, we keep inviting him we're back. We're off to a rock and roll start here. <laughs> hey, I'm just happy I beat the suspension. <laughs> you will not take me down. I will not be turned away. For all of you who uh, follow My us microphone will not be muted. <laughs> May have noticed we were threatening to suspend Scott from tonight's episode because he lied to Cameron. Hey, you know what? But I beat it, so I'm already got to step up on anybody at ESPN 700. <laughs> we should maybe we just start calling you Sean Miller. That's my old speech here. Just calling him Sean over there. You got to know the right people with the ni- right type of paychecks. So the best. Hey, it's good to be here, guys. <laughs> it's good to be with you too. Fill of your love, wonderful spirit you have. So, so the basketball season is over. At least the regular season. Pac-12 tournament starts this week. Utah tomorrow. Utah got a three seed. Pretty exciting. They were pick seventh. It's a heck of a season when you think about it. I mean. I don't think any of us is thought coming into the season with the talent they, well, at least the talent we thought they had would finish in the third, in the in the third place. But I, I mean, the Pac-12 is down a little bit, I think, but still a pretty remarkable. So is is that it? Is that is it more of an indication that the league's not as good, or indication that? Is Larry it, and the team really overachieved. It shows you that Larry should have been flipping coach of the years. What should have happened? Yeah, he True. did get it in the the AP. The, AP. the Pac-12 must have like a mantra. Nobody from the U gets any postseason awards. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's getting a little ridiculous because there's a growing list. Of uh, Gianni Paul, Gianni Paul, Paul Nate, Nate Orchard, Michaela Skinner, Skinner um, Delon Wright, Delon Wright, Pirtle, Larry. I'm sure there was a baseball player that got screwed out of something <laughs> the year we won the Pac-12 title, but nobody knows their names. So, and they're right back to anonymity. Yeah. On a on a, on a side note. <laughs> What is the deal? They have not. I think they are like one in eleven on the season. How do you? How do you go from the basement, awful, 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 to you just can't lose for a season? You win the Pac-12 and you're right back in the basement. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty crazy. Some poor recruiting. They need to start stealing from the softball team is what they need to be doing because they're good. <laughs> so softball back to basketball here. <laughs> oh, is that what we're talking about? I thought we were on the I thought we were on the spring tour. The University of Utah coming live from the office of Chris Hill. Let's talk now about cross country. 
I'll tell you, the strides on some of those. Mm, mm, I'm mm. done. Four minutes in and I'm already calling it a night. So Utah finishes third in the Pac-12. And by a lot of experts, they're not even a bubble team anymore to make the NCAA tournament. Which which is kind of a shame because if you finish third in the Pac-12, you think you would think that would guarantee you a spot. But they're they're early season. No, what what guarantees you a spot is finishing ninth in the conference and not playing <laughs> basketball, good basketball for two months. Apparently, that'll guarantee Bobby Hurley. That'll guarantee you a uh, an at large bid. But no, I'm. Uh, the Utes, I mean, they overachieved with the talent level they had. I mean, Kyle Kuzma tweets it in yesterday how crazy it was that Larry doesn't win Coach of the Year. And they're picked to finish seventh. They finished third with no pros on this team. So, I mean, very solid guys. I mean, you look at what Rawson's turned into, what Colette did for the team, Bibbins, all Pac-12 player. Oh, without him, this year would have been Awful. Yeah, that was a huge late pickup to to secure him. And wish we had it for more than one season, but I mean, no pros on this team. Larry and this coaching staff deserve a lot of credit um, because it's really one of their best performances, probably coaching wise, since he's been here in these seven years. The downside is it's it's come back to bite us once again is this, the out-of-conference schedule mm-hmm. that too many low RPI teams below 250 that uh, are just dragging our RPI down. I believe we're currently what, 48th in the, in the country, which is, you know, bubble line. And we don't have uh, any really standout wins that we can hang our hat on at the moment outside of Arizona at Arizona State, or excuse me, at Arizona State. But as we just mentioned, they've they faltered. They so that win really that loses point, its luster. That one point loss at Arizona, that's a, that's a killer when you're looking at sitting on the bubble. Yeah, and I look at those, and I also think a couple of the losses hurt, maybe even more. Um, and I tweeted this out the other day, losing to, and I'm not trying to take shots, but losing to BYU, losing to a UNLV, and losing at Colorado. I think just having BYU on the schedule hurts the RPI. <laughs> you're gonna have some losses, right? And you're gonna have some some games that maybe get out of hand. You don't you don't shoot well, but when you have three of those, you need to have some wins that can offset them. And when you don't have those wins, those three losses really stand out. Well, but even if you don't get those wins, if you put a Kansas on the schedule, if you put a Wichita State or an Xavier, which again uh, tried to do. Um, this year, but if you can put some high profile games on there, even if you end up losing them, those losses to the good teams will help you more oh, yeah. than a win against an RPI of 300, which you know is the Southwest Baptist states of the worlds and the the schools that we play early on. I understand, yeah, there's always going to be some of those on the schedule, but to an extent. That that desperately needs to improve, and there's a lot of theories out there. You know, Larry did not want to make a a tough out of conference schedule. He didn't know what he had. He didn't I, know. I would agree with. Probably that. suspected no. Kuzma wasn't coming back. You didn't know if you're going to land a Bibbins type player. Um, so he's probably protecting his team. But the problem is, this isn't the first year we've seen it. There's been a number of years where we've been on the bubble. 
and haven't gotten into the into the tournament for this very reason is we haven't scheduled well enough. The, the only thing I will say to that is remember when uh, Coach Majerus was here. That was one thing that people would always uh, go after him about was having a weak non-conference, playing the Stony Brooks, whatever they're called. He still got his team into the tournament. Okay, but there's the difference there because he also ended the season with like three losses most years. Total. We dominated the Mountain West Conference. So if you're going to finish first or second in the Mountain West Conference, again, you know, in those days it was New Mexico, us, maybe BYU, maybe UNLV. Um, but at that point, you could get away. I mean, it's what Gonzaga does. Gonzaga is the modern day Utah at that point because, sure, we maybe weren't scheduling tough, but when you go through and you end the season 27 and, or excuse me, 25 and 3, you know, you're still going to be able to, to get into that tournament. Whereas now against Pac 12 competition, you're not getting, you're not ending the season with that many wins and that few of losses. I mean, it is interesting that. A team could finish third, what you said, Ryan, can finish third in the Pac-12 and really not even be considered at the tournament right now at this point. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's I think it's a combination of what Scott just talked about, the out-of-conference schedule. Plus, I really, I really do think the Pac-12 overall was down this year. Nobody... It, it's kind of but, like, it's kind of like football. Each team beats them beats the other the, the other teams in the conference up, and nobody outside of Arizona finishes with a good with a good record. Well, I agree with that. But do you think that's a little overplayed? I mean, there's there is this thought that all the, oh, the Pac-12 so down. Is it as down as everyone's saying it is? I I think where people are coming up with that it's down is that outside of outside of Arizona outside of Arizona. No, I was going to say outside of Arizona State, there's not a lot of big non-conference wins. No, there's not. And I think a lot of teams maybe took the approach that Utah did and, and maybe soften up their non-schedule, their, their out-of-conference schedule. And I think maybe that's where that bias comes in. You also have to remember, with the P5s, the West Coast is always going to have to play second fiddle to the East Coast. Oh, for sure. So I think that's where that narrative is coming from is a lot of those national guys that are on the East Coast favor the teams that they cover. So my question to that is then why is Arizona State not being penalized for playing, for finishing ninth in a water, quote-unquote, watered-down conference? It's true. I mean, they they beat some pretty good teams early season, and then they did nothing in they, conference done play. Nothing, they've done nothing of significance in two months. Well, they haven't done anything since December 10th. I mean, it's it's... If you go back, I mean, there are two games under 500 in in this watered down league, and yet they're they're guaranteed bid for the Pac-12 or excuse me for the NCAA tournament. When I mean, they're not even a blue blood. I mean, we're not talking about a UCLA here. It's Arizona State who hasn't done anything in basketball. It just drives. It just that's that's where I've got the problem with. I understand. As Ute fans, we can be a little bit, we're homers, right? We we get blinded by our fandom. But even taking that aside, I understand Utah's resume is not the prettiest out there. I'll, I'll agree to that. I'll definitely, I, I, yeah, they're not an NCAA team today. But see, that's the thing. I, I think they are. 
is it the prettiest resume out there? No, it's not. And they've got some, they've got some, a lot of, a lot of red marks all over their resume. But the problem is, you compare it to other teams, there's just, there's not a lot of consistency in the arguments that are being made against Utah and for other teams. That's where I've got the problem with. I mean, you've got some national guys who've gotten into it with Ute fans on Twitter, and they're they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. You know, they're they're oh, wa- you know, talking about how Washington's a bubble team. See, that's the thing I don't get is why is Washington a bubble team? Look where Washington finished below us. They have no out of conference high profile and wins. And we swept them. And we swept them. And we've got a better RPI than they do, and yet they're ahead of us in in uh, on, on the bubble list. So it's just there's so many things out there. There's just the inconsistencies are what drive me a little crazy. But we do now know it has gone final. BYU will not be stealing an at-large <laughs> bid. St. Mary's may have lost their at-large bid. Maybe that opens a door for Utah. I don't know, but it's really going to come down to how the Utes play Thursday, hopefully Friday, and hopefully Saturday. So I think one thing that bodes well for them is they are playing well at the right time if they can continue to play well in the tournament. They've won six of the last seven games, and if they can, you know, if they can fare well in the tournament, who knows? Maybe. Maybe they'll get an at-large bid. But but I think also is we got to see whether Colette plays or not. Because if Colette's yeah. out, there's no way we're getting an at-large bid. And I was bid. just going to bring that up. That's a big loss for this Utah team. Colette, during that stretch, Colette really played his best basketball of his career. He did. He was lights out in, on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. Well, still leaves a little to be desired on the defensive end, but... So I, I, the only thing I, I will say is because th- there hasn't been any word yet from the university on on if he's healthy, if he's going to play or whatnot. Uh, I walked past him after the game as he was going in the locker room and we were going in the media room. Did you blow his ankle a kiss? <laughs> <laughs> we are a family show, Cameron. <laughs> only, only for you, Scott. But he, he was on crutches, but he didn't have his ankle... Wasn't wrapped. He didn't have his ankle. Oh my gosh, his ankle wasn't wrapped. It was a worse injury than I thought. He didn't have any sort of cast. <laughs> they removed it to repair it. They'll be putting it back tonight. This is what I have to deal with, ladies and gentlemen. I'll, just let me finish this thought. It it gives me better hope that he he might be able to play because it wasn't wrapped. It wasn't in any sort of soft cast. That is good news because I'll tell you what. Now I understand. We went into that game with a certain game plan, and when you lose a player mid-game, it's hard to change your your game plan or what you're trying to do. But that second half, we the only option we had was basically try to throw up a bad three-point attempt. We had nothing inside the paint. We didn't even attempt to go inside the paint. It was it was it was not good basketball. Chase Johnson was awful. He's still coming off an injury. Well, and and Ross and Ross and apparently he had the flu himself. He did, yeah. Larry and, did say he oh, had the I flu. I didn't hear that. But yeah, he but was Ross was a game time decision. Ross has kind of struggled the last two weeks, so hopefully he can get healthy and he can bounce back. Because if if we are without Colette, he's got to have a big game. The the thing that kind of does worry me is is Utah's bench isn't very deep, and especially with with big men. 
uh, Tillman played and Seeley played really well in the first half. But I don't know if they just got gassed or, or what, but they couldn't carry that over in the second half. So, yeah, of course. Yeah, and Seeley didn't get so, much of an opportunity in the second so half. They're so inexperienced, too. I mean, the, the future looks bright. I mean, they're so athletic, but they just haven't had a lot of playing time this year. So if Colette can't go in, I mean, already facing an Oregon team is going to be a tough task. But going doing it with probably one of your better players, I I'm not saying it's a loss, but I'm just saying it, it, it's a it's a tough task. I would say at this point, if I would expect Colette to go, now he's obviously not going to be 100. percent But I mean, this is it for his college career. He's gonna he's gonna do it at probably whatever it takes to get out there. The question is, now if he can't, then you know it's really probably pretty bad. But um, yeah, I mean, it's that's a big question mark, and that's really what it, I think our chances of making a run in the tournament are going to depend on how healthy he is. Because, yes, we can have a game or maybe two where we shoot it well from the outside and maybe that can carry us. But you're not going to win this thing just hoping you make a bunch of threes. So with the Pac-12 tournament coming up, I did see... You know, kind of talk on, on social media and Twitter that I thought may be kind of interesting, kind of fun for us to talk about. Utah finished third. Would it have been better if they finished fourth and be on the other side of the bracket? That is a good question. Well, I mean, if if you're looking to, to play Arizona, because basically what Utah's needing right now is a marquee win. And, and really the only marquee win, even really... Outside of USC, it's real. It's it's Arizona, and the only way you're going to play them is if you get to the title game. Whereas if we were the four seed, you're playing them on Friday, assuming you take care of business on Thursday. So it just gives you an opportunity a little sooner in the tournament to get that marquee win. Um, and quite frankly, I think it's pretty clear we match up a lot better against Arizona than than we do at USC. USC is so athletic; they're long, and they they've given us trouble. Both games this year, which the funny thing is, up until this point, Larry has owned Einfeld. Einfeld is Finkel. <laughs> Finkel is Einfeld. Enfeld? Einfeld's a man. But up until this point, Larry's owned him. Excuse me. Yeah. Is your number still 911? And, but it, but really, things have switched this year. Arizona, they, they're, t- or excuse me, uh, USC's been tough. So, Ideally, yeah, I think uh, everybody wants to finish hi- as high as possible uh, with that third seed. But I think in some retros- in retrospect, uh, the fourth could have done a little better for us. And I think even a, a day before the semis, if you meet Arizona, so Cal and Stanford are playing in the first round. I think Utah maybe matches up a little bit better with Stanford than Utah does against Oregon. Yeah, but I'm assuming higher seeds win. We did, we did beat Oregon at Oregon early on, and uh, that's that's the only matchup we have to go off of. So, I would I would expect again, you never do know, especially in any type of postseason tournament. I think it's pretty safe to say Oregon is going to uh, beat Washington State. I'd like it if uh, not Was- so fast, my friend. <laughs> if Washington State could uh, could throw an upset there and uh, make our path a little easier but i don't know we're gonna see so going big picture kind of looking at the at the tournament first game out of the gate asu 
national media's darling right now, going against Colorado. Bobby effing Hurley. <laughs> After seeing Colorado this past weekend um, at the at the Huntsman Center, you got to think Arizona State's going to win this, and then you have the rivalry game, Arizona State against Arizona, and I think Arizona drills them. I think Arizona State probably wins that first matchup too. But here's the thing, though, and they're gonna. You're right; they are gonna get drilled by Arizona on Friday night, Thursday night. They're gonna get knocked out in the, either the first or second round of the Pac-12 tournament, and they're still going to the NCAA tournament. Well, he, I think I I actually I'm gonna go with Colorado on this one. Colorado is kind of your Jekyll and Hyde team this year. They swept UCLA. <laughs> Very true. They they did sweep. They, they've got some pretty. They beat Arizona at Colorado. They've gotten some decent wins, but they've also have a lot of bad losses. <laughs> well, after watching them this past weekend, I don't know how we lost to them in their place. No, they killed us. I know. Yeah, they know they ran us out of the floor. But but that's the thing is, they are all over the place. They've hit their low against us. Now it's time they get back into their uh, their well, groove it here. It wouldn't surprise me if Colorado went one because the ASU's been awful in conference well, play. And and let's be honest, ASU is nothing special. They're a very one-dimensional team. Don't ha- don't have much down low. They rely on their three-point shooting just like a lot of teams do. But uh but they have not they have not been playing good basketball. And they lost to Stanford on Saturday too. I mean, it's... now granted, they probably know they're their NCAA hopes are on the line, so they may come out with a little different type of urgency to um, to solidify that uh, that spot. But I would not be surprised to see Colorado roll there and and get that win. Either way, yeah. Regardless, I, I know we should probably root for the conference and we want to get as many teams into the tournament as possible. But it's Arizona State. I I don't care about them. I don't care about Bobby Hurley and this fake success that everybody <laughs> thinks he's having. So, I, I'm going Colorado. On I just that hope game. there's enough police officers there to hold Bobby <laughs> Hurley back. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then the second um, game in the days, Cal at Stanford. I don't mean to be mean to the Golden Bears, but Cal really is one of the one of the worst teams in in a P5 conference. I see Stanford winning that one very easily. Yeah, so as do I. As as do I. I. I mean, Cal did somewhat hang with Arizona last game of the season. Um, so maybe maybe they can get a hot streak going. But Stanford, obviously, is the better team. I would expect them to 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 win, probably win pretty easy. Then we got Scott's favorite team, the Oregon State Beavers, going up against the Washington Huskies. So that's the 10-7 matchup. I, I think Washington wins that. They have a lot of... A lot of raw talent, but they have a couple guys on there that well, are they, NBA they players. They do have the coach of the year in the Pac-12 <laughs> conference, so I wouldn't be discounting them, guys. They That's kind of a big deal. <laughs> Romar leaves and coach of the year walks through the door. Hopkins arrives and he's the best thing since sliced bread. Because, you know, they exceeded expectations by two places. With the with the roster of NBA talent. I'll tell you what. Don't get me wrong. Hopkins had a good year. And I, I realized they were not expected to do much of anything. 
but uh, we weren't either. So, but uh, I mean, not, to, just to get back to that, how big of a deal is it to go from nine to seven, ten to seven? It's not that big of a deal. And you you, you go, still finished in the bottom half yes, of the conference when you go seven and finish in the top three. I mean, even if you're picked to finish dead last and you finish seventh, is it an improvement? Yes, it is. How much does it matter when you're still in the bottom half of the league? We, going into the the last game or the last week of the season, we had a shot. Now, granted, it was a small shot at winning the whole thing, but we had a shot. We were in the conversation. That's where it matters. It doesn't matter if you're in the bottom half. Who cares how those things end up? It's what happens near the top. That's what everybody talks about. That's that's what counts. So, uh, again, pick to finish seventh, end up third, especially with the talent level and the roster. It's it's a conspiracy. <laughs> it's cut and dry, I'll tell you. So, uh, anyway, back, back to this matchup. Uh, Washington wins. Um in in my view, and they'll go against uh, USC. I forgot what we were talking about there for a minute. <laughs> and the last game of the night is the one Utah fans will want to pay close attention to. Washington State is going up against Oregon in the 11-6 game. The thing with Oregon is they, they're kind of like a Colorado. Yeah. They've been up. They've been down. Some games they've looked really good. Other games they've looked really bad. So expect Oregon to to beat Washington State uh, to play Utah in the second round, and Utah beat them sixty six to fifty six in uh, Eugene earlier in the season. But as Scott said, you never know what happens in these tournaments. Last year, Larry talked about it in the press conference. They beat Cal in the last game to get a top four spot, and then Cal turned around and spanked them in the tournament. They got to be ready to go. I think I'd pick Oregon to beat Washington State, too. Uh, and uh, you don't know what we're getting against Oregon. We played them early on, and we only played them once. And I remember watching that game, and we were down early and came back and came back and won. But see, um, see Oregon, I mean, they've, they've had the opportunity this last three or four weeks of the regular season to solidify their, their spot in the, or in the NCAA tournament. And they didn't take advantage of it. They lost to Washington State two weeks ago, so they they've got some strange losses on their on their resume as well. So th- I I actually think that's going to be a pretty good game. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington State wins. I would s- obviously suspect Oregon does, but either way, I mean, even if it is Washington State, they could they could give us a game. So well, uh, Washington State hung around with Utah when, yeah. uh, last time Utah played them up uh, there. Yeah, a, a good three-point shooting team. Uh, just to go back to Oregon, what, what you're saying, Scott, so they, they sweep the Arizona schools, and then they lose to Washington State. But according to Vegas, the odds right now, obviously Arizona's got the best odds, followed by USC, and then UCLA actually bumps us. They uh, have the third best odds, uh, then, and then us, to uh, to win this thing, so... Is Again, a little, not a lot of respect for the Utes out there. Are you guys going Arizona wins this thing? I don't see anybody beating them. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Arizona, all that they've been through, 
I mean, we 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 probably kind of missed an opportunity. We should have we should have contacted Jason Shear to come be a guest on the show tonight <laughs> and give us a little breakdown of of Arizona. And uh, but I once they get once Miller count came back and then they get to Maybelline Trier off his suspension. I fully suspect. I I fully thought that they were going to just. Us against the world mentality, and they were just going to start steamrolling folks, and maybe they will. But their last couple games of the season was were not impressive. So maybe they get that going. They've got a little break. Things have calmed down for them. Obviously, they're the most talented team. If DeAndre Ayton continues to play like he is, I mean, it's going to be tough for anybody to beat him. But I, I would say, I, I think that's a good matchup between uh, UCLA Arizona. I think UCLA does have a shot uh, to beat them in uh, in the semis there. But if we can get uh, past USC. I think we've got a good shot to beat them too. But yeah, well, exactly. I, I I like our chances. Three games in three nights with our limited depth. I'm I'm wondering if we face another Oregon of what three years ago. Where we got routed in the championship uh, yeah, game after Brandon playing pretty there. well to get to that point, but we just didn't have any gas left, and uh, so it'll be interesting. Larry Larry usually has his guys ready to go in these tournaments, and uh, but th- again, to make to make the tournament, you probably have to play be playing on Saturday. Yeah, you know, my final thought on on the tournament, especially with Utah, is I like how Larry has talked about what happened last year. He didn't shy away from it. He said it was a disaster. Even Tyler Rawson, I thought I asked him if the team thinks about it, if if they talk to the younger guys about it, and he he said yes. And it's the worst pain he's he's had. He still thinks about it. And he hates the feeling that happened. So I agree with you, Scott. I think this team, no whether it's Washington State or Oregon, they're going to be ready to play, and and hopefully they can get that that win and go on to the semifinals and face either uh, a Washington or a very talented USC team. But what, ha- I mean, totally side note here, but what does happen with Arizona? Are all of these wins vacated in a month, two, six months? Because they, uh, obviously Miller standing behind, I'm innocent, I've done nothing wrong here. But, but if there are wiretaps out there, he's done at some point. Yeah, this this investigation still has a ways to go, and you know th- their argument that okay, Book Richardson was a rogue assistant. Well, what they're also forgetting is their other top assistant, uh, Pasternacki, who's now coaching at I think uh, UC Santa Barbara. He's listed on this as well. So your your top two assistants are not doing this behind your back. You've got so much smoke around the pro around the program with recruiting tactics and and players that have have committed and signed and there's there's no way they're innocent so there's there's got to be something coming down. How does that affect the conference? How does it affect this year? I I guess at this point it's not going to affect this year because even if they say they vacate all those wins, it doesn't change anything. No. no. Here's here's my thought on how this went down. So. His contract is written so poorly that whether he gets fired or not, he still gets paid. So the administration just said, does it, what does it matter? We're going to lose out on all this money anyway. Just go out there and tell people you're innocent. Uh, it's, well, and, and, and what's really not being talked about is 
all the problems that are still going on and have gone on on the football side of things with Rich Rod, uh, the alle- sexual alle- assault allegations on players, um, the environment within the athletic department. That whole department has got issues. It is not a clean look for the for the Pac-12. No. I cannot be happy about this. I, I think at the end of the day, I have no faith in the NCAA. Oh, of course not. What they... What they've done with, and I, I'm not trying to go off on a tangent, but what they've done with Penn State and with Baylor, heck, even what they've done in Miami, and even in their investigators that are in Miami are dirty, and they've had to replace them, and they're on their fourth one because the top three have been dirty. I have no faith in the NCAA. Well, and and they and maybe this is the this is the start of the P5s breaking away. I know be. people have talked about that. I I that I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on. But I just, I do not have faith in, in the NCAA. Maybe this is just so widespread that they just kind of wash their hands and say, okay, everyone be good for now well, on. Well, it's because they don't care. They care about the bottom line. They care about integ- uh, protecting the cash flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what matters most. The cash so flow is March Madness and they're not, the they're College not, Bowl champion. They're not going to do anything playoffs. that's going to jeopardize that. So that's where the slaps on the wrist come in. And again, if if this was all NCAA backed, then yeah, of course they're going to walk on this. The problem is the FBI is involved, and that's where the hope comes that things can get cleaned up. Because again, Utah was listed in the FBI report, but that well, is let's not... rephrase that. Kyle Kuzma was listed. Kyle Kuzma, Utah. that is correct. And again, it's a very different scenario where he was offered money to leave our program, not to come to our program. But by the book, Utah, Larry has stated this multiple times, and I would be shocked if it is anything different because of how, I mean, he's gone full Lance Armstrong into this, denying anything. <laughs> so at Lance this, Armstrong well, held and, out and for and a good decade. Yeah. <laughs> well, and if you look at their statements and with Chris Hills, it's no different from when the state of Utah brought their audit in. Oh, correct. They welcomed it. They had no. They had nothing that they felt they needed. But to but hide. that's why something needs to come about on this because you need to level the playing field. You cannot continue to let these programs get away with this because it it just it kind of ruins the game. The funny thing is, in conference, Arizona has been the top dog for several years and probably will continue to be. But you think about it: if these allegations are true, that they're paying guys a hundred grand to come to their school what's the, what do they have to show for it then a couple of pac-12 championships and maybe a sweet 16 here or there well they don't they, have much and and actually one of the one of the things that i think would help the pac-12 again you know there's people out there who say uh, this isn't good for college basketball in general but i i really don't care about college basketball in general i'm more concerned about us how does it affect us? If if the NBA gets rid of the one and done rule, mm-hmm. then the the DeAndre Aytons they're not coming. they're going straight to the league. Arizona loses that advantage, that ability to go out and whether it's done legally or whether it's done through purchasing these guys, they're not getting them anymore. That right there, same thing happens at Kentucky. Yeah, Louisville. That right there, and now it relies. You rely more on coaching. That's where we have the upper hand here is you get guys who will develop throughout the program. There's ideas out there. 
if you do not go straight to the NBA from high school and you go to college, you will you would have to stay three years in college. So that that protects the college game. You're getting guys in that have to stay minimum three years. You're going to get developed. You're going to get uh, an opportunity to get coached by some of the best coaches. So I think that would be a huge, regardless of what happens with this FBI investigation, I think that would help Utah more than anything is being able to get rid of the one and dones and some of these schools, even the USC's, they lose that advantage. Well, and even Arizona states at this point uh, of signing those elite guys who are only staying for one year and can wreak havoc in that one year. Um, they've got to change their recruiting s- styles quite drastically. Well, Scott, I completely agree with you. It would be nice if the NBA gets rid of the one and done rule. I think that will help a lot of problems with, with the college game in general. So I think I'll kind of do it for kind of our, our breakdown of the Pac-12 tournament and, and Utah season so far. Uh, we do want to let you know that we're brought to you by Farmers Insurance. For protecting your home, vehicle, and family, look to Farmers Insurance. Call Scott Omer at 801-307-4046. So spring football is in the air. Woo-wee! It's good to have it back. It's good. It's always good to have football back, right? But... Man, it, it seems like it just the season just ended and they're already kicking off. I love it. They've had two days so far. Reports on the hill is that the quarterbacks are looking really nice. And I saw Huntley's beefed up a little bit. <laughs> I saw on Twitter, um, I think it was Steve Bartle said, It's nice to have a quarterback coach. <laughs> that it is, my friend. That it is. Well, it's good to have quarterback talent too. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, Huntley, uh, according to Witt, Huntley has uh, bulked up uh, a little stronger up uh, the upper body. Uh, has put on 10 pounds. And, uh, Still needs another 10 to go, The goal say. is an additional 10. So I would suspect through through the summer he'll get there. You're hearing really good things about Shelley and uh, how athletic he is, how dynamic. A lot of things that I've heard is he's a better runner than Huntley. And uh, so putting him behind Huntley, you get the same type of player in the event that uh, Huntley were to go down and assuming Shelley wins the, the backup job. But uh, then then you got Tuttle, who is going to come in and push these guys. He's more of the pocket-type passer. But, yeah, reports are that he's looking good, got a lot of, got a lot of zip on the ball, throws a pretty ball. So it'll be. I'm I'm interested to see how spring goes when we get to uh, the spring game. How these quarterbacks look at that point, and then it's just going to be, it's going to be an all-out race come fall to see uh, see if Huntley can hold off uh, these guys, which I would suspect he does. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because let's let's not forget, Whittingham's not afraid to make the unpopular or maybe the unexpected <laughs> decision at quarterback. So outside the quarterbacks, there's two two guys that I'm really excited to see um, for the next practice when we head up. Bronson Boyd, transfer a lot wide, of talk wide receiver. On Twitter about a lot of talk about him. Be. So excited, he's, he's Car- Carrington 2.0. And see, that's what I was, that's exactly what I was thinking. Is it's it's nice to have a player that potentially could step up and, and fill that role that Carrington is leaving, even Singleton. 
um, is leaving from last season. Uh, and Armand Shine, I really want to see how he how he's coming back from that injury, that season-ending injury, and, and just really see how, how that leg's holding up. What I like about this is a couple of years ago, we were talking about how poor our depth was at wide receiver. And and we we lost Singleton. He's he's going to transfer. But you think the guys who are still here, plus guys that are coming. So you've got Covey coming back from his mission tomorrow. You've got Solomon Ennis Is, coming. Are we sure he's coming to Utah? <laughs> oh, well, you never know. But um, then there's talk of how good this Bronson Boyd is going to be. You've got Simpkins, who is, we know how good he is. We know how good Samson Nakua is. We know how good COC, whatever his last name is. Mariner now. Wilson, the third. But when, So you look across the board, there's some serious depth now, well, a wide mean, receiver. You didn't even talk about Brian Thompson, who got yeah. time, time last year. Um, uh, Jalen Dixon, who redshirted last year. He's kind of more of a slot type guy. So when the bullets start flying, how do these guys react? Not all of them are going to perform. Um, you know, some some players are great in practice and they don't really show up in games, and other guys are vice versa. So a lot of talent and some that still has to be proven. But yeah, there's a lot less question marks at the wide receiver position than I can ever remember. And and full credit to Guy Holiday for oh, yeah. really strengthening that group. Um, I, I maybe an underrated hire. I think one that doesn't get a lot of pub um, that Winningham made. Um, but I'm a huge Guy Holiday fan, and and honestly, that full credit to him for for building that up. Yeah, guy, guy's been a sensational hire. He's done a great job on the recruiting trail. You know, I think Troy Taylor's brought a lot of excitement, and uh, he's helped land some of these guys with the system that's put in place. Since spring is the time we can all jump on and think about how great the season the next season's <laughs> going to be and how awesome the team's going to be. Here, so here I go. Deep thoughts by Ryan. <laughs> we know what we have at running back. They're good. We know we have depth at wide receiver. We don't know exactly what we have in some of those spots. We know we've got good depth at quarterback. We've got a bunch of, well, some returning offensive linemen the offense could be pretty potent next year. It could. Well, I mean, Whittingham talked about how, and obviously you would expect this, but night and day difference from last spring to this spring, they're just already more advanced day one, day two of spring of spring camp. So, I mean, they know the playbook. Yeah, it's they're not. More, it's they're not more new. comfortable with the with the schemes with the terminology. Yeah. So I mean, they're already on year two of a uh, of a playbook, which ha- hasn't happened in in our history very often. <laughs> so it's been rare. <laughs> and so by the time they get to fall camp, it's going to be just refining all of this and just making it crisp. And I, yeah, I mean, obviously we'll see how they come out of the out of the gates, but I think there's an opportunity for this offense to be a lot better than than last year. And they finished strong last year. They showed some real promise as they were starting to kind of get some things figured out. And you're going to have Huntley, who's got another year of experience, going to be a little smarter, hopefully a little healthier and a little stronger to withstand some of the the hits that he takes. But offensively, 
I think I've we've got the opportunity to be the best we've been offensively since we've joined the conference. And you can just you can just plan on it every year. The defense, you know, you can rely on the defense. Look what we have coming back through for special teams. The best, one of the best punters, if not the best punter, and the best field goal kicker in the in, country. In the, in the not country. even in the in the in the conference, but in the country. And I'm sure we'll f- have figured out the snapping by then. <laughs> So, uh, I mean... Well, Alex Whittingham's moved on to coach the Chiefs now, so... Th- there's an opportunity here, and quite frankly, I think until Utah wins the Pac-12 in football or basketball, we're not going to get the respect that we really want. I mean, our fan base is so hungry to be respected, to be considered a mainstay at the top of the Pac-12. And... You know, whatever your theory is out there, why we, you know, all these postseason awards, we continue to get snubbed and 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 recruiting and we can't get all these local recruits. They're going elsewhere. If we can take care of business and win the Pac-12, it's going to change our world in so many ways that it's time to do it. We've got the team. Obviously, it's way early, and there's a lot that has to go in. But if you look around, obviously, there's going to be some surprises. There's going to be teams that are better than are, than expected. But the Pac-12 lost a lot last year. There's an opportunity for Utah to step in and take advantage. So, big spring, knock on wood, go buy some KFC chicken buckets sacrifice a chicken whatever it takes we need some good juju for this team to stay healthy have a fortuitous season hot piss so i think we're gonna end on that note scott ryan where can people find you on twitter at drum and feather that's drum the letter and feather and scott you can find me at hashtag hot piss <laughs> or, uh, or that other account, man underscore forever. And you can follow me and this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can always find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you can find a podcast, we are there. And we're at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes and whatnot because we do have interviews uh, from spring practice going forward so if you want to stay up to date with those make sure that you subscribe and like and hopefully utah makes a deep run in this pac-12 tournament and go utes go utes go utes we'll be till i die we're good let's cut it the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the university of utah I mean, I think Huntley's probably the the guy going into opening opening day. Opening day, that's baseball. First game of the season. <laughs> Take me out to the ball <laughs> game. Take me out on the crowd. Hey, Frank Layden's joining us. <laughs> Buy me a p- something or, and a Cracker Jack or whatever it is. <laughs> Oh crap! <laughs> you know when the when the fire the the shots start getting for real. Wow, that did not come out.
Right. We'll start that over. Bad haircuts for <laughs> 600, Alex. I'll tell you, bad jerseys for 600 or BYUs. Oh, yeah. With the the dark blue with the white mountains <laughs> that fade into their white spandex thing. They look, and they're short. It, just, it, looks, it looks like they're garments. <laughs> Someone tweeted that out. Right? It does. Like, BYU's really basketball does. shirts remind me of when I play basketball with my dad and his G's would hang out. <laughs> I was watching it last night and I wish that thought never came to me. But they they totally, totally nailed that look for sure. Oh 